Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today is my co-host, Rissa. Hello. How's it going today, Rissa? Ugh, not a good day for sports for me. Oh, yeah. Team's not winning who you want to win. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so on uh, today's episode, we're going to be picking up our series on growing up Disney, and today's topic is going to be classic live-action movies. So we're going to start with, actually, we're going to look at some of the hybrid ones as well. The ones hybrid being mixing the live action with animation with a majority, you know, that's live action. So are you uh, ready to start with this? Yeah. All right. So there was a list of hybrid films that uh, were on our last episode. We lumped them into the classic animated movies um, and we talked about them already. It was Primarily the 1940s, so uh, Fantasia, Reluctant Dragon, Saludos Amigos, Victory Through Air Power, Three Caballeros, Song of the South, Funny Fancy Free, Melody Time, So Dear to My Heart. Those were all in the 1940s, and we did mention them in the last uh, episode that we talked about this. Um, So we're going to go through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and I'm assuming a lot of them don't really relate to Yours or my childhood, right? No, definitely not. Um, I mean, there are like different elements throughout like these different movies that, you know, probably touched on our childhood and the development of our childhood, but we're not going to spend as much time as we did on with the classic movies going through each individual movie. Yeah, we can take them by eras and then see which ones we remember in the era and then, you know, what what we took from those movies that we remember from the eras. So in uh, the 1950s, I mean, it, it, this, the, these what we consider classic live action movies, they did a lot of them, right? Doesn't it seem they like did. it? They did. They really did. Um, I think the biggest influence of these 50s movies is really evident in uh, the Disneyland Park. Oh, right. So like a lot of the elements that we see here, the Western and like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea type thing. And Treasure Island, a lot of that you see in the influence in Disneyland, right? Definitely. Um, Especially like uh, the Frontierland elements with like Westward Ho, the wagons, Davy Crockett, um, things with trains because it's well known and documented that Walt had a fascination with different types of steam engine trains, which is why it was incorporated into the Disneyland park. Yeah, he even, um, he worked in a train when he was young too and then he had to quit. Be, uh, because he realized he wasn't making too much money on it, but he worked the summer where he was like walking through the um, the actual train cars and like selling papers to the to the people that mm-hmm. were in there. So he he did that as a kid during the summers or one summer, and then you know he realized oh his paper route was probably more productive in getting him money. So he yeah, that. there was like a lot of like a rash of, of live action films throughout the fifties and sixties and seventies, um, just simply because it was cheaper to make compared to animation. Um, and there was kind of like a, a revolution of, of how people were doing, uh, films. So Disney was clearly expanding their, their, uh, 
restock it to include live action. And it seems like um, today, like in our world now, the way people consume films, there's a lot less being made um, than back then. And when they do make films, they'll either make them straight to streaming or they'll do it for, as a TV movie, like a decom or something like that. Right. The, like a majority of the films go there now rather than being released theatrically. And now we're seeing even more that the, the-, the ones that are supposed to go into theater, we, uh, apparently we can't have them because the theaters aren't open, right? Right. It's, it's kind of a change of the times, really. Yeah. I, I mean, nowadays going to the theater is like an event. Mm-hmm. You have to... I, I, whereas I think back then it was a lot cheaper to oh, go yeah. to a theater, yeah, than to actually own a TV. Yeah, it was easier to you know take your family to the movies, have some popcorn and concessions, and it was really cheap compared to now, where you know pricing out how much to take a family of four to the movies, including like dinner, is probably going to cost you way more than a stream for premiere access of like Mulan or now coming is uh, Soul. Right, yeah, it's coming straight to Disney Plus. So, all right, so do you, are in the fifties. So they had. Let me let's see how many movies they had. One, eighteen. They had eighteen, eighteen movies from nineteen fifty to fifty nine. So, were there any in here that you watched any clips of, or you remember at all growing up? Not really particularly. I mean, they've made a lot of different versions of Treasure Island. I think they made an animated version as well later on in the Dark Ages of Disney animation. Oh, the second, the Dark Dark Age 2.0, right? Yeah. Um, they've done a lot of Robin Hood. They did an animated version. Uh, they did a different... I don't remember if they ever did a live another live action after this. Um, and then Davy Crockett, it's clearly... Uh, American folk tale. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was a really big thing, and I've seen clips of it um, through the Disney Family Museum. Um, and then also they had uh, the ride that was fi- uh, that is Finding Nemo was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, if I recall. Yeah, at one point it, it, they had that, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a lot of different elements throughout um, like these... Uh, movies that were incorporated into the Disneyland parks, like I said before, especially the Westward Ho that used to be a McDonald's uh, fries title, name of the wagon. Um, And I think I mentioned that in my defunct episode. Yeah. So, you know, that even was a call back to the actual Conestoga wagon ride that they had at Disneyland when they originally opened. So, you know, this... Western Ho, the wagons, you know, would have a direct tie to one of the rides in the park where you're like riding a Conestoga and stuff. All right. So uh, for me, I think I've actually seen the Fest Parker Davy Crockett's. I don't know if I watched, I think I might have seen it on TV, you know, like a rerun or something like that. Um, but, and, but Old Yeller, I think I did watch that one time. I'm but. sure I've watched like clips of it or watched it at some point, but I've never watched it like recently, so I don't really remember much of it. Uh, same thing with a lot of these movies that I supposedly have seen. <laughs> I don't oh, really okay. remember. I, I recall watching them at some point. Like I think I watched the remake of the Shaggy Dog, but I don't really remember. <laughs> I don't know what happens. So that yeah. that one I that one I do remember watching the the remake. Uh, the original is. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, so it's like a guy who gets turned into a dog overnight and then he realizes he's a dog and then they start looking for him 
And then he wants to reverse the curse, and eventually it happens and all that. So was that Tim Allen the Tim Allen remake? in the two thousand yeah the remake in two thousand six that was Tim Allen as the yeah. Shaggy Dog. And then clearly Zorro, um, they've remade that. I think Antonio Banderas was the one. Yeah, that, yeah. They did a remake with Antonio Banderas. Yeah, it was a series too. Although I mean, this Zorro is like, you know, they have a series of that too here. The old the original. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't ever remember watching the original. Oh yeah, yeah. So another interesting one was uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People because it was Sean Connery and he's like a big artist. So, <laughs> so I was like, when I I saw that on Disney Plus, I kind of watched a little clip on it on Disney Plus, and I was like, wow, that's Sean Connery. <laughs> What's it about? Since you watched a little bit of it. Uh, I just saw a piece where he was just with, like he was walking. I don't know. It's some like really, it takes place in like a fantasy, a long time ago type of thing. It's kind of like the Gulliver, oh, Gulliver's Travels, like that. Ah. Uh, you remember the book Gulliver's Travels? I don't think like, I ever read it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but it's Darby O'Gill. So I don't know. <laughs> Is he like Irish or something? Yeah. He was an Irish guy. Got it. So it's like him and leprechauns. And leprechauns, yeah, <laughs> and leprechauns. All right, so yeah, let's let's look at the '60s since you know the '60s have some more of the the things that we probably have remember seeing when we were kids, or or we have some influence when we were growing up. So um, anything in the '60s that you recall? This is this is pretty much like the rise of uh, Haley Mills. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, what do you what which films are? Things that you remember from here? Um, there are titles on here that like ring a bell, but I don't really recall ever watching them. Um, okay. I feel like I watched the Swiss Family Robinson at some point, but definitely uh, the influence was the Treehouse uh, growing right. up. Um, I don't think I ever watched the Absent Minded Professor, but I definitely watched Flubber, mm-hmm. which was the Robin Williams remake uh, along with like the sequel. I think there was a Flubber too. Yeah. And you had you had a toy for this? I did. It was like a it was flubber. Like it oh, was like, oh, like goo? Yeah, it was goo. It was uh Disney's version of like Gak or something. Oh, nice. But it was labeled flubber. Yeah. It was a green goo. I feel like I've watched clips of the parent trap, like with the with the two girls with the bowl cuts. Right, yeah. That, that when Which they is sing, actually one girl. Is <laughs> is it did did they clip that together too? Like with what they did with Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, that's the reason why they did that with Lindsay Lohan, because they did that with Haley Mills. Oh. So well, I do rem- definitely remember the song being on our uh Disney compilation album. Oh the Let's Get Together one? Yeah. Um and then I definitely watched the Lindsay Lohan remake a lot. And I really loved that that movie. That was like the 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 rise of the Lindsay Lohan, you know, being a studio actress for Disney. Right, exactly. And apparently, they're gonna make another remake for Disney Plus. Oh, are the they? Yeah. So are they gonna use like, actual uh, twins or? I don't know. They might. They might. They might not. I'm not sure. We'd have to see the uh, the cast list for that. Mm. Yeah, and then there's like a long list of different movies that I don't really recall. I I feel like, I mean, clearly I remember Mary Poppins. I've watched that multiple times and watched the remake or sequel, not really remake, with Emily Blunt. We had a song of The Monkey's Uncle. I don't know what the movie was about, but I do know like that song. 
Oh yeah, that's a recognizable song. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, I think that was the 60s for me. The the I think Herbie like fully loaded. I I remember Lindsay Lohan in that, but not the original Love Bug. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they really liked that series because the first one did so well, so they decided, "Okay, let's make some more films." And then they rebooted it with like another sequel instead of like starting it over. Yeah. <laughs> They brought in Herbie and it's like, she's like, what is this old Beatle, right? The fully loaded. She's yeah. like, what is this thing? I don't remember if I actually watched it, but I definitely remember um, the the promos for it and like the merchandise for it. Um, but yeah, Herbie was never really my thing. I remember it. she was like a uh, team NASCAR driver and they took her off the team because somebody wanted to replace her and, and you know, like take over. And then... She had to find a new car, and then that was her car. She found Herbie. <laughs> it was so weird. I was just like, "Wow, okay." I think with Herbie, the the main thing that like resonated in my childhood was because it was the '60s. Um, our parents, you know, grew, grew up in the '60s as well. Uh, we lived across the street from somebody that had an old fashioned Beetle, and right. so they always called it Herbie. So that's what I remember growing up. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Mary Poppins since that one is a hybrid movie, but majority of it takes place live action. So, do you what do you like like about that movie from the sixties? Because you know that was like right in the middle of the sixties. Julie Andrews. Okay. She's iconic, and um, I don't know. It, there's just so much class around this movie. Um, her and Dick Van Dyke, their chemistry was like so amazing. And um, it was just so wholesome, you know. Mary Poppins was the kind of character that you want to uh, ascribe to because she's, like, perf- uh, practically perfect in every way, you know. Um, she has an answer to everything, and she's, like, the perfect nanny ever. So, and she's there when you need her. So that's why I, I really loved Mary Poppins um, growing up. Did you um did you enjoy Dick Van Dyke's uh performance there because I know they re- like Disney really liked Dick Van Dyke as well. I mean, yeah, he's definitely a great actor and like you would think that he's actually British, you know. Right. But he's not. He's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they even um so in 66 they also gave him a it's kind of like a comedy type movie and it was a play on Robinson Crusoe. Uh they called it Lieutenant Robin Crusoe, USN. So it's kind of like he gets stranded like Robin Crusoe does in the book. And then, but it's more modern times. So it's just, they, they wanted to give him his own film as well. All right. Um, so another, another movie to note what in 1969 was the Computer War Tennis Shoes. The reason why I want to note it is because they had three movies in that series and it was the like one of Kurt Russell's first first movies from his ten year contract that he signed with Disney, uh, so you know that was early on in Kurt Russell's career, uh, where he he signed that like a long term career contract with Disney. There, I had no idea movies. that he was like actually in with Disney. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean that's why you see him in. Uh, there were a few movies that he was in. Uh, from the 60s and 70s because of that contract that he had. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I only know him from, like, recent things. Um, right, I definitely right. remember him from, like, Sky High and Guardians 2 and, you know, like, the more recent things 
Like I know yeah. Kurt Russell, but you know, it was never, yeah, it was never really my, he, that the type of movies that he used to make weren't really my thing. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. So we move into the seventies and you know, this was like that period where it's kind of getting into, I don't know, things that are not rememberable or memorable. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the movies were just, to me, they just seemed weird. A lot of them that that came out in this time period. I mean, it's a the lot, 70s. Like, like, so. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know what was going on, but it just, they a lot of them were just weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely more movies in the 70s that, like, are recognizable to me. Probably because they're the 70s and our parents mentioned them. Or, like, we would watch them in in extended daycare at school. uh, Mm -hmm. Because it's what our, like, daycare sitters would, you know, grew up with. So it's what they would bring to VHS for us to watch. Okay. All right. So, um, which which, uh, movies did you... Like remember growing up or or watching it. I I think one of them was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, right? Yeah, that one's with Angela Lansbury, right? Yeah, she yeah. was uh, one of the main ones there. I, I had to like reread the description of this movie because I feel like I watched it at some point, but it's one of those things that I've never like rewatched. So when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, it's this like this lady that's trying to be a witch and you know these orphans. Um. So I kind of remembered it, but I, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like it never really stuck in my in my mind. Yeah, it's one of those that I also just let it like go in and out. Like in, I just like would watch it, but it wouldn't really resonate with me, you know. Yeah, it's it. I feel like it was too close to Mary Poppins, and I liked Mary Poppins more. Right, right. I feel like that's the case with me too. Okay, um, so. What's a, what's another one that you remember from the 70s at all or parts or bits or anything? I mean, Escape to Witch Mountain, I kind of remember it, but I don't really remember watching it or the remakes, but I do remember The Rock being in a version. I think it was Race to Witch Mountain. So, right. Yeah. I don't even remember what happens in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but it has like... Anna Sophia Robb and um, Dwayne Johnson in it. So, yeah, that was the um, the retelling in 2009 that they did. I didn't even. I just remember them. They're like, "Oh, we have to go to Witch Mountain," and I'm just something like, with okay. aliens. <laughs> yeah, they had to throw in aliens or something in in that version. But I don't even. I don't even think the original or the other sequels had anything to do with aliens. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's a more modern 2000s thing mm-hmm. or 2009 thing. All right. So there's also in here, we've got Freaky Friday. Yes. Um, I, so they they make, they like have remade this two other times. The original one was Jodie Foster. And then I'm assuming the one that you've seen is the 2003 version. Yeah. I think we owned a copy and I, I have it in my in my apartment. Um, okay. it's the one with Jamie Lee Curtis and, uh, Lindsay Lohan. Yes. I think they, the, the, when they switch, they eat like a fortune cookie or something at a Chinese right. restaurant when they like have an argument, um, then they switch bodies and you know, it's, it's weird, <laughs> but it worked. I was really into Lindsay Lohan at that time. I think everybody kind of was. 
She was like the the queen of Disney first yeah. of, at that time. She was and the then, it girl for a while. Yeah. And then she did movies like Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. I think that she was trying to branch into being more adult, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Mean Girls crazy, is, is definitely, you know, up there in terms of uh, iconic movies for Lindsay Lohan. Right. Exactly. But I think so, that's where she like peaked. <laughs> right. Exactly. But like before that, when she was a kid, she did the Parent Trap, you know, remake or reboot, which was really good. I thought it was, that was really a, good. A good movie. Yeah. As a kid. And then then she did uh, some of the other movies that are decoms like Life Size. You remember that? Uh-huh. Get a Clue. Yeah, so she did a she did a bunch of those. She was good in those too. Yeah. Um, no, she was a really good child actress. Yeah. All right. Um, so they also in 2018 did a decom for Freaky Friday. Did you know that? I had no idea. I kind of dropped off of like watching Disney Channel. I think the only thing I watch on Disney Channel these days is Raven's Home. Oh, okay. Okay, because it's a continuation of That's So Raven. Yeah. I mean, they did. They ended Girl Meets World, right? So it's yeah, like, eh. <laughs> I was watching that, and it was really good. And then they ended it. All right. So yeah, there was that, and then so seventy-seven. They also did Pete's Dragon, which is a hybrid because the dragon was animated, but Pete was not. You know. Uh, so do you remember Pete's Dragon at all? I actually don't. Um, I don't even remember watching it or the remake, uh, but I do remember um, them being in, like Pete and Elliot being in the Main Street Electrical Parade. And it's probably my favorite float in the Main Street Electrical Parade. Yeah, it's mine too. Um, when they just stop in front of you and then like he becomes, Pete becomes hidden and then you just see Elliot. Yeah. It's kind of like in the movie where he's hidden and then you kind of see him, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. They, I do remember watching this at, uh, at daycare, extended daycare. Um, they would put it on, but it's just like, you know, another one of those movies where you kind of watch it. in the it, background. And it's on in the background, yeah. Yeah. Seems like, you know, there's so many movies like this where they can you could just do that. You know, just play, like play these and yeah, then they're I, just in the background. I feel like a lot of these old Disney movies, like the live action ones, they didn't really play a really big part in my life because... I don't know. It, it just felt like a different time compared to the classic animated movies where it, it seems like they're timeless. They kind of transcend time. Right. So when you recognize, um, like a lot of the ones you recognize were the, the hybrid ones, right? Yeah. Because they have that cartoon making it a, a little bit more um, timeless for you or and, for me. Yeah, and more relatable. Because like, it feels like with their animation, they, they took the time to really... Um, delve into what makes a good film and what makes a good animated movie like story-wise so that it it lasts for a lifetime you know clearly like there are things like with with song of the south and and other things that people won't it won't translate through time because it's it's set in that time period but other things like say snow white or cinderella or sleeping beauty these things are transcend time and it, it just like it's a story that's always been propagated, and and we touch on this with um, our other series with the Disneyfication. There, there's such timeless stories that when you put it to animation, it just captures a part of your childhood. You know, it, it sparks that um, dreamer in you. Compared to like with a live action, you're already 
living in this world. So when you translate it into um, a live action time period, it kind of puts you in that time period, you know, rather than puts you into a dream kind of world. So I don't know if I'm that, explaining that well. So would you say that the live actions are meant to be told for the period time period you're in rather than um, transcending that time period and just, you know, putting you at a place you can watch, pick it up at any time and then you'll be there? I think so. Um, I think it has to do with, with live action. You have one director uh, and clearly, I mean, you have other producers that throw in their input, but with um, a, an animated film, you have so many different minds uh, coming together to make a film. And sure, you have leads and animators uh, that, you know, are discussing and, and key directors that discuss the, the movie as a whole. So it's cohesive, but it's a more collaborative kind of effort, especially in the way that you you see if you watch the the Frozen um, making of Frozen 2, uh, they they show how, you know, they come together to create this film out of nothing where with a live action film, you're you have a starting point already and you have relatability to things. So even if, say, you're doing a space age movie or you're doing a Western movie, there's still a frame of reference for somebody to grab onto compared to like an animation where it's just, you know, something out of thin air and it's somebody's mind. Right, right. So would you would you think that maybe uh, Disney here was using the live action uh, to create more of a cash flow for so to allow for them to do other things like the animation? Or was it just... Because it seems like a lot of these movies are not timeless. Because I know that other studios have created timeless live action films like say Casablanca or like Breakfast at Tiffany's or something like that right but it doesn't seem like these Disney live actions the classic ones are that classic you know yeah I I think they just they never captured they've always struggled with live action for whatever reason I don't know if it's because they've been labeled as an animation studio but they've continually struggled throughout their history with capturing that kind of audience. I mean, you have those those key sports movies like Remember the Titans or Miracle on Ice or, you know, those ones that have that relatability that, you know, <clears throat> could possibly win an Oscar, but they just continually have a hard time with Save Mary Poppins. Right, right. So there's like one in there, but then like a lot of them are not. <laughs> right, you know, so like, I, for example, I recently watched the the movie Unidentified Flying Oddball, right? So it's on this list from 1979, and I watched it and I said, "What is this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I feel like there's like a bias within these films, um, just because it's live action. There's a bias in the director's um telling of things where it's it's encapsulated in that time period, even if they're trying to show something from outer space it's it's clearly 70s you know the the aesthetic yeah it is and then they go back in time right so they go to the medieval ages but to me it felt like they were trying to do space balls you know um <laughs> but or try to do like a comedy type of movie but it wasn't funny yeah so i was just like what is this you know it's not like the type of cuz i i see where they're trying to go because at that time period, you know, those comedians were big, right? The, the mm-hmm. those type of movies, um, but it's it wasn't funny, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, so what do you think overall of these classic live action movies? You know, to for our listeners here. I mean, I feel like they're worth watching if you take it with a grain of salt. Um, definitely watch Mary Poppins. That's a timeless classic that you know everybody should watch at some point if you're a Disney fan. Um, watch this one and the remake because they're both great movies in their own regard. Um, Emily Blunt does a great job in, you know, not just copying Julie Andrews, but making Mary her own. So yeah, I, I think Mary Poppins is, is its own in, in a league of its own, you know, clearly, uh, also, uh, saving Mr. Banks, which is related to the making of Mary Poppins. That was a Tom Hanks film, uh, that was released. I don't remember what year in the 2010s, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely these are movies that if they're on Disney plus, you might as well just watch them. Uh, so you can familiarize yourself with Disney's foray into live action, but they're not really memorable movies in my opinion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, if you're bored, (laughs) might as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's like for me as well, it didn't, these, a lot of them didn't really shape me growing up. They had influence in ways where it's like they're in the background when we're watching or they had remakes that were done that I remember, but then that would go into live action movies in the future, you know, because it wouldn't be from this period, you know? Right. The originals definitely didn't have any part in my life, but the remakes did. Um, And it was weird because I thought at, at some point when we were developing this series that I thought Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was a Disney movie for the longest time because it was Dick Van Dyke. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's not. not. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's like a the Indian in the cupboard or something. I don't yes. remember what year that was, but that's not that a was Disney a, that movie. That was a 90s. That was a 90s movie as well. Is that a Disney movie? Uh, no, I think it was 20th Century. But yeah, see? I could be wrong. <laughs> it could be WB. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't Disney. So there are like other live action movies that did play a part in my life and definitely Tim Allen, um, but not during this period. Right. Yeah. Not in this, the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right? Yeah. All right. So um, anything you want to tell our listeners in closing? Yeah. Sorry it was a short episode, but we didn't really have a lot to talk about in terms of classic live action movies. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed and hopefully you can tell us if if these movies had played any role in your life growing up in Disney. Um, just because, you know, it's not really relatable to us. It doesn't mean it's not relatable to you. Um, so I hope you enjoyed our, our short episode, um, but I hope you're all keeping safe. All right. So thank you all for listening to our episode today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed and we hope you took something from it. Let us know if there are any movies from the 40s, 50s, 60s that were live action that you probably grew up with or maybe you've seen uh, in the past or something. And which ones did you like? Definitely uh, check out Mary Poppins, like Rissa was saying. And on behalf of Rissa, I'd like to say, keep your watches, sync to Disney time. See ya. Bye. Bye.